Welcome to OECD Podcast, where policy meets people. Today, immigrants account for more than 10% of the population, on average, in OECD and European Union countries. And when you include their native-born children, these figures rise to 17 and 18%. It takes time, sometimes a decade or more, for immigrants and their offspring to reach the same levels of education, employment, and social ties as their native-born peers. So integration isn't an issue that we can ignore. Integration matters. I'm Kate Lancaster. To discuss immigrant integration, I'm speaking today with Tarek Hadhad, who, with his family, left Syria to start a new life in Canada in 2015. Tarek is the founder and CEO of Peace by Chocolate, the fifth largest chocolate company in Canada today, the recipient of Startup Canada's National Newcomer Entrepreneur Award, named one of the top 25 immigrants in the Maritimes, and selected by Google as the National Hero Case for 2018. Welcome, Tarek, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Kate. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Wonderful. So let's start with your family's story. Tell us about your business in Syria, how the war changed your lives, how you came to Canada. This whole thing about my family's story actually goes back to 30 years ago. But let me give you a background about what was happening in Syria in mm. those days. Um, we were in Damascus you know, on the borders between the ancient and modern city. And the lifestyle that we were living there was so much relied on family and community and the sense really of being supported, always having people around you at the time of difficulty. When 60 members of my family were living in one building in downtown Damascus in 10 floors, we used to have the supper together every Saturday. And that really was a main message for everyone in the family, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my parents, and my grand my grandparents that we are always there for you. 1986 was the year for the start for the whole thing about chocolate in mm. my family, uh, my family's heritage. Before that, all of my family members were kind of entrepreneurs and they were lawyers and they were physicians and they were engineers, but none of them really started chocolate business until my dad became uh, the master chocolatier when he learned the recipe by himself after he graduated as a civil engineer. He learned really how much is it important for someone to build his skills from scratch because he wanted to and he believed in his passion. And so what made chocolate his passion? What led him to chocolate? It was a wedding of my cousin, actually, ah. that they went together with my grandmother in 1986. And then he came back. He told my grandmother, I found it. And she was really sarcastic about it. And she asked him, like, are you serious about this? He said, okay, I will see where this can go. And he went to the library. He picked up all the books from the library, uh, learned on his own way how to make chocolate. He learned about all the other cultures. He learned how the French make their chocolate, mm -hmm. how the Europeans eat their chocolate, the Turkish, the Egyptians, the Americans. And then he came up with his own thing. That was the message for him that if you want to start something new, you should be different and you should be remarkable, you should be unique. And since then, the chocolate business that he built in uh, Syria, it became an empire within uh, 20 years after he opened the second largest chocolate factory in the whole of the Middle East by 2002 and then started exporting all around the world, massive employment opportunities and they were offered by the factory and the distribution network and the marketing uh, agency. Also, the charity that my father established in Syria was r reliable so much on the business exposure, but also making the social side of the business 
uh, more important and crucial, significant in the life of my family. That's really when my family realized that if you want to become a business owner, that certainly comes with the responsibility to give back mm. to the community that you live in, support those that they were not really lucky to live the same life that we had, to support those that they are living under poverty line in the Syrian community. Also, my mother was an activist fighting for women's rights at that time. Uh, so when I was growing up, it was very interesting, you know, the a contrast between my own life and my family's life, because my family's life was so much about the business and growing that empire where everyone was involved in it. My own life was so much relying on medicine mm -hmm. and my medical studies. And, you know, I was totally away from that spectrum and learning the business experience in Syria with my family and my parents. Uh, that's really what led my family's first message to tell at the airport when we arrived that we did not come to Canada to take jobs. We knew how to make chocolate. We are going to translate that skill when we arrived in Canada in, uh, into something beautiful and meaningful and purposeful into the community so we can support it. Um, so, so tell me about your community there. You're anti, anti Ghanish? Anti Ghanish, you got and, it right. And it's a remote community in Nova Scotia, a small town, it a big town? It is a small town, actually. Yes, uh, if you want to compare it to Damascus, the city of a uh, few millions yeah. there living, uh, we are now in a pretty small town of 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. 5,000 more students come uh, every year. They leave in April after they graduate from the university. Mm. So it was pretty uh, different for us to I be in imagine. a small town. After and, the, and the winters too, I'm the sure. The winter is, uh, yeah, I can't <laughs> say actually a word about it because it's, uh, it's horrible, I can say. <laughs> what really surprised us the most, uh, in addition to the winter, is the kindness. The kindness of Canadians that they really realize as human beings it's always good to be uh, supportive to those that they are in need around the world. And uh, it's always good also for human beings to be good at being humans mm. and translate these humanistic features inside of them into supporting and bringing people that they are uh, losing everything that they had in a world that they didn't want to be part of. And the only thing they were seeking is safety and peace. And that's really what the community has believed in my family's uh, adventure since we left Lebanon, we came to Canada. They didn't know us. They didn't ask us about and, all And of yet the they were involved in it because I think I understand that Canada has a quite unique program where communities can sponsor refugees. So tell us a little bit about that and how the community was connected with you and brought you to Canada. So community groups, any five members that they can come together, they can establish a, a, a community group that they can sponsor uh, refugees mm -hmm. around the world, bring them to Canada, give them opportunity uh, to live again. Uh, what I can say about uh, the town is really uh, a place to be in because uh, people there, they are always open to new ideas and, and skills. And that's really what we brought to the community. Mm. Uh, they, they believe that we are making something different. We are making something unique. And that's why they said to us that... Uh, the only thing they were really expecting from us is to rebuild our life in the way that we wanted, not really the way that we were forced to, mm. and to share our culture in the way that we wanted, to strengthen the whole country's system of diversity, of accepting multiculturalism as a base and foundation for all the greatness of Canada. What has struck Antigonish community the most was the picture uh, of Alan Kurdi when he washed up on the Turkish shores. Mm. That, uh, uh, the, the terrible the little, picture of that little boy. Ch the, the little boy, actually, that really 
kind of triggered the uh, you know the motivation into these people to help bring a Syrian refugee family mm. to their town because they believed that there are so many people suffering in refugee camps and they couldn't really live there. And we were we were the lucky family to start with. Now the community group has brought more than 10 families. One family goal, they have actually been successful to fundraise hundreds of thousands of dollars. Donations were coming from all around to support, uh, bring families to Antigonish. And what's interesting too is, I mean, you've spoken very movingly of what they've brought to you, but there's also everything that you've brought to the community. And you've You've come, and I find it really interesting that you came, and immediately you were entrepreneurs. And we know that across the OECD and in the EU, around 12% of immigrants who are working are, in fact, self-employed and probably entrepreneurs. And in Canada, in fact, this number is about 16%. So what was it like to, to just leap directly into entrepreneurship so quickly after your arrival? And how did you start the business, and how is it? how have you brought the community into it with you? Yeah, it's uh, it was a lovely gesture since we came to Canada. To say that we we are there to translate our skills and our experiences that we certainly didn't lose them in the war because uh, immigrants and those coming to countries like Canada, the U.S., or across Europe, across any country in the world, they don't travel empty. They mm-hmm. they might uh, lose their cash flow. They might lose their uh, base, you know, that they uh, they had in back home. But what they come with, and they come with set of experiences, skills. A culture that is ready to be translated. And entrepreneurship is one of the most significant ways that these families, they think they can give back to their communities. And they think that they can, they can be portrayed as successful examples for others, which was really the, the way my family did it in Antigonish. Only, only a few weeks after arriving, we were talking about how can we make it again? How can we make, make chocolate? It's interesting because I, I actually heard you say in a discussion earlier today, well, what is integration and how do you bring all parts of your past culture and your new culture together? Yes, um, integration is a great power that the host community and the immigrants themselves, they use to merge their ideas together mm-hmm. and to merge their systems together. So these newcomers, they are not asked to take off anything at the airport of their culture, their beliefs, of their a background of their ethnicity, they are welcome to join their host community with everything they brought with them from their uh, homeland. Whether these host communities, they are offering the methods for integration that they are right for the families to um, learn the culture, learn all the language uh, aspects of the community, the history of the country that they are in. And the, the world is changing significantly and very rapidly. Um, Canada didn't take it as a, a reaction. It was a strategic plan to uh, bring these people and really get them into the system as fast as possible so they can contribute. Integration also does not mean only that I'm speaking the language of the community and the payment and I am employed right now and paying taxes. That's not really integration. Integration means that uh, newcomers are willing to call the new country home. And that's really all about it. Since the time that my family arrived, they said that two weeks in Canada erased three years of suffering since they became refugees in 2013, only two weeks. We had the ability to start the business again within only a few uh, weeks, uh, selling the chocolate at the farmer's market, yeah. starting at the home kitchen, hearing the shouts of my mother to my dad <laughs> because the chocolate was everywhere in the oh, home kitchen, goodness. and then uh, really growing the company significantly 
and in, in, hearing this story for the first time by the Prime Minister Justin through the United Nations. By September 20th, 2016, we saw Barack Obama sitting in the room, Angela Merkel, all the European presidents sitting there hearing Justin Trudeau talking about us in the United Nations in New York. That shifted the whole story to another level. That really helped us tell the whole story. Why did we call it Peace by Chocolate? And uh, why community should take leadership across the whole world uh, to help those that they are in need? As your company has grown, I mean, I, I, from what I've read, you've given back to the community in creating jobs. You've reached out to other refugees who've come after you to offer them jobs and uh, guidance and mentorship in their own entrepreneurial uh, ventures. But I've, you've also created the Peace on Earth Society. So what can you tell us about that? What, is, what are its aims? I, I, I understand Peace by Chocolate, but tell us right. more about the Peace. Peace by Chocolate is the business yes. uh, that registered the incorporated brand uh, that is now trademarked all around the world. Uh, Peace on Earth Society is the uh, social side of the business, kind of like the society that we launched because we wanted always the business to remember that uh, the dollar signs does not matter at the end. What matters I, at the end? What matters at the end is the kindness, giving back to the community, sponsoring and helping projects that they can help the society grow as a whole supporting issues that matters to Canadians, like uh, reconciliation, help speci Special Olympics that they came to our town last year when we sponsored them. Uh, Canadians that they were fleeing flooding and fires in the western of the country. Mm -hmm. We launched a national campaign that raised millions of dollars in 2016 that we were able to uh, give back, really, and tell Canadians that we really thank you for bringing us to Canada. And now as newcomers, as new Canadians, we have the responsibility to give back to you and really say thank you in our own way, basically. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. To listen to other OECD podcasts, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud.com slash OECD. OECD.